Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome to episode 75 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, still Kofi Outlaw, and with me is still my co-host, Mr. Matthew Aguilar. What's up, everybody? <laughs> and joining us on the couch today is Miss Megan Peters. The queen of anime has returned. Oh, I, I was—I don't throw that label on you, but like, I mean, that's what we called you, but we didn't want to limit you, so we. You know what? It's, it's I'm, I'm embracing it because okay. I can be the queen of anime, but I'm still like regency of all other nerdums. There you go. Okay, there you go. Mm-hmm. Boom. There, 75. We're getting confident. That's good. Mm-hmm. And though you can't see him here on the couch, over in the cut today, in his own little private booth, because he's become mm-hmm. such a VIP <laughs> since this podcast started. Yeah. Mr. Brandon Davis. We had to bring back. Our original Trinity member, since he kind of has been riding with us and helping promote this <laughs> is thing, this and a promotion or a demotion over here. I don't know. I'll it's take a promotion. It you got your own. You got your own seed. Like but, uh, that's the big. It's dog whatever seed you want. I do want to give a shout out to Megan. You called her the queen of anime. I was out uh, at an event in LA this weekend, and I was talking to some friends, and they were like, "Yo, Megan, who writes about anime on ComicBook.com? You need to tell her she's awesome." So I just want everybody to know. And we we always appreciate when people follow our stuff, but like. When I meet people and they're like, oh, I know Matt, I know Meg, I know Kofi, I'm like, that means everybody's doing an awesome job and I love when people I don't respond to it. I don't, I don't believe in telling you anything good about yourselves. you got to oh, no. barely hang it on. Keep doing <laughs> what you're doing or you will be gone. Like so many who have disappeared from these halls. You should write uh, Hallmark cards. Wow, bringing up, <laughs> you're bringing up the dark times Jesus. now. Dark times, yeah. Oh, just got real upsetting. We're in lighter times now. This is Comic Book Nation episode 75. <laughs> you're looking at all survivors, all yeah. mean, mean elites now. Knocks and on so the today we're going to bring you a Don't good knock. 75th show. <laughs> if we can wrangle all these guys together, we're going to bring you a good 75th show. And we're going to talk about a lot of things. we got some Marvel movie or I'm sorry, yeah, Marvel movie casting news to talk about. We got some DC movie casting news to talk about. We got a bunch of stuff to talk about in fall TV. Plus, we got several great deep dives that are going to highlight everybody here. Me and Matt are going to talk X-Men. Megan's going to talk anime. Brandon's going to talk about Zombieland Double Tap. So we got a lot to do. Let's get started with our news flash. And up first, today's breaking news, actually, before we came in the studio. We've been talking about the Batman. Our last episode was all about the Zoe Kravitz casting. Um, And since the two days since then, (laughs) we've had a whole bevy of new Batman casting news. First up, we learned that Jonah Hill has been passed on for the movie. But we found out he was up for Riddler. We found out that Seth Rogen was eyed for Penguin at one point. But that was also something the studio kind of moved on from. And then today, hours before we came in here, we learned that they found a new Riddler now, 
And it's none other than Paul Dano, who you might know from Little Miss Sunshine or There Will Be Blood or Taking Lives or all of the other movies that he's been in. Uh, he's been in Looper. He's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Paul Dano is going to be is in talks to play Riddler in the Batman. And I'm kind of I'm liking this choice. Like so far, mm-hmm. this has probably been like the smoothest DC casting we've seen uh, across the board. If you haven't been keeping track, the Batman Matt Reeves has cast Robert Pattinson as Batman. Uh, Jeffrey Wright's playing Commissioner Gordon, uh, Zoe Kravitz is playing Catwoman, and now Paul Dano is Riddler. So, so far, that's all wins for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like Paul Dano, and as I wrote, because I wrote about when this broke, if, you have, if you're not familiar with Paul Dano, he's really good at kind of playing, alternating between playing these kind of boy-faced kind of sweet characters and some slightly kind of disturbing characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've ever seen Taking Lives, which was like a real big breakout role for him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he did. He was really creepy in that movie, but he's like really sweet in Little Miss Sunshine. He's a little mm-hmm. bit of both in There Will Be Blood, where he plays kind of a, a preacher who's also kind of a grifter. And, and that's perfect for Riddler. Yeah. Yeah, and that's perfect for Riddler because he's a guy who can, you know, really kind of embrace the Riddler in terms of like eccentric mannerisms or quirks mm-hmm. and things like that or neurosis, mm-hmm. but also be really kind of maniacal and menacing and, and threatening mm-hmm. like when the moment calls. So I'm kind of good with this. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm all for it. I mean, I wasn't for the Seth Rogen penguin thing. No, that gave me a little no. pause. And I'm not yeah. like a Seth Rogen hater, but that still gave me pause just to see him trying to do the penguin. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow, that's a very yeah, that's good, a really Seth good. Rogen laugh. Brandon Davis <laughs> I know. coming through could, with that. And that's why he works as Pumbaa. Yeah. Like, he's great <laughs> yeah, as Pumbaa. But like, could you imagine the Batman, like Bat- Robert Pattinson's Batman, mm. and what seems like it's going to be a very serious movie, but also even with some comic booky gimmicks, I think when you look at like Jonah Hill casting, possibilities and then all of a sudden you have Seth Rogen standing across from him like oh I'm the penguin <coughs> that's like what I couldn't take was like the yeah. combination of Jonah Hill and Seth Rogen who I both I like them both yeah as just comedians sure. and yeah. dramatic actors but it went clumping together I'm like bro this isn't this is the end like cross yeah. yeah we're not territory. making this is the end mm-hmm. with a Batman yeah. twist like mm-hmm. yeah I don't want to see these people piling around in my Batman movie that's gonna yeah. really pull me out of this like mm-hmm. so I'm glad they passed I don't know what that thought process was, no. but I'm glad we yeah. passed it. And we're going for like really talented character actors like Jeffrey Wright, like Zoe Kravitz, like yeah. Paul Dano. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, yeah. And we're still working under the kind of rumor that this is going to be based on the long Halloween, uh, which is a famous Batman story. That's not confirmed, but that's just like rumors that have been circling for yeah. a while now. Mm-hmm. And the long Halloween, it, it's important to remember that all these villains that we're going to hear, because before people start getting freaked out that Batman's going to be overstuffed, yeah. The Long Halloween makes bit parts out of all the villains. Mm-hmm. It's a story that is a Batman story. It's mm-hmm. about his investigation into this serial killer who only strikes on holidays, but he has to visit all his rogues as possible suspects, yeah. or they're embroiled in, in this whole thing in some kind of way. And so, like, yeah, these are going to be, like, really standout bit parts that could grow probably later on, but, like, there's just going to be a lot of just appearances, yeah. I feel like, in this movie. And so... Getting good, really good character actors who can like really shine in a if, if even in a brief scene, just opposite Robert Pattinson in a conversation or something like that is going to be really important. And so, like, I'm glad that's what we're getting. I feel like once we come out of this, we're going to have a very we're going to have an awesome foundation for like the entire Batman universe because as yeah. long as the batting average is good for most of these characters, 
we're yeah. gonna have like a whole list of like we're not gonna have that thing going into the sequel of like well they gotta cast a new villain like they'll yeah. have so yeah. many to pick from and, and they'll be able to gauge from the audience and reactions if they introduce a new one we can we don't have to spend so much time like there will be an entire world yeah already like there. they've already started like yeah. that's gonna be great so as long as he sticks it which I mean I have confidence in Reeves, so do I yeah I, this will be great I think for defining that. All right. Uh, anybody else? Any final thoughts on this? Look at what he did with cast members in the Planet of the Apes movies. I think yeah. you can, you can yeah. trust Reeves' decision. To, like Matt said, you just trust Reeves. Right. Yeah, Reeves and is Reeves definitely like... Except for Rogan. Reeves is, <laughs> Reeves is definitely like a selling point. The studio was looking at Rogan as a possible... And the studio was wrong. <laughs> the studio was wrong. I guarantee you that Reeves is, has been sitting on like the choice for Riddler the whole time, and Warner Brothers kept being like, oh, okay, but let's just, let's just try. Let's right. just try with Jonah Hill. He's got a big name. And then... I mean, who knows what happened? The new report said they just couldn't get together on the character. And then as soon as Jonah was like, I can't do it, I can't make the commitment, Reeves came in and said, I told you. And so far, right? So I can far, just see that. That's been budget, right? Yeah. Like, that's, it's, that's the disputes is money. Yeah. yeah. Because, yeah. like, Robert Pattinson's only making five? Is he making five million? That's the number I've heard tossed around. <laughs> only making I know, but for, I know. like... A character, a lead character like yeah. this, that no, is I, I small know. money. Yeah. I know. No, yeah. I think they're going right. down and stripping things down again. What's well, also a thing like, it's you know, playing Batman puts you on a certain trajectory in your career. Yeah. Yeah. Even if the movie, unless the movie is terrible, which yeah. it's probably not going to be. Uh -huh. But that $5 million is only just the beginning of what Robert yeah. Pattinson and is going to know. make. So I think no matter, like, and they had Nicholas Holt ready. You know, mm -hmm. somebody's going to agree to play Batman. Yeah. Somebody's going to play Batman for $5 if they have to. So yeah. it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, you're talking about starting something that could end up with that Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Give me back in. 20 exactly. years, like, get $75 yeah. million. Dollars. So, True. Yeah. Oh, buddy. So I'm good. I mean, the Batman's been dropping cast news, and I'm good with it. So yeah, let's keep this sure. going. Hopefully we have another one to give to you guys soon. Moving right along, we're going to jump over to Marvel, sort of. We're going to jump over to uh, Brandon's favorite place, the Sony Marvel Universe. <laughs> and we're going to talk about Venom <laughs> 2. We had this in the last episode, but it got bumped because they kept dropping new and yeah. new breaking news things. But um, Venom 2 has tapped a second villain. Uh, we know Woody Harrelson's Carnage is coming back, but they've tapped another villain. And this is an important villain of note because it is Shriek, who mm -hmm. comic book fans remember Shriek it becomes Cletus Cassidy's, like, well, it's guess the closest thing he can have to, like, a love interest, yeah. a girlfriend. Yeah. Um, but she's just, like, another serial killer that breaks out with him from Ravencroft. Mm -hmm. And she's key and instrumental in the Maximum Carnage storyline because she's kind of, like, his top lieutenant in helping Carnage organize, a, like, a group of killers and, yeah. and terrorize New York. So the fact that Shriek is going to be in Venom 2 is just yet another big stone drop that says... This is a maximum Carnage yeah. movie. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we're going to go right out of Carnage getting out to, you know, full-on maximum Carnage. And the reason why I think that's, well, first of all, I mean, in my opinion, that's awesome. Yeah. Because I love maximum Carnage, and I hope and they kind of tweak it and refine it and tighten it up for a movie. But just a simple premise of a killer, serial killer symbiote breaking out and terrorizing an entire city with a group of other superpowered killers is pretty good. And it's a good challenge for Venom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, to give us some good action and hopefully some better action than we got in the first film. But it's also like a pretty strong indicator of what we've been saying since, since the beginning is that, yeah, Tom Holland is showing up in this movie. Like Tom Holland's Peter Parker. Because Venom 2 will be right like, at this. If they keep going down this trajectory, Venom 2 will be now. Okay. So do you see Venom 2 being maximum carnage or being essentially the precursor to setting up, the next movie, which would be like the event movie, which would be Maximum Carnage. See, I'm see 
it gets complicated because with absolute carnage now out and like yeah. all of that, even if you don't go into the whole God thing and, but just the premise of absolute carnage, like a yeah. bunch of carnage symbiotes, like starting to take over. Like I could see two films coming out of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I could see one film where carnage breaks out and breaks some other people out. And, and they basically essentially combine maximum carnage with the first carnage story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is just him getting out of Ravencroft and people having to figure out like what the serial killer is, what's yeah. so mysterious about it and what's happening. And they add elements of Maximum Carnage into it, like Shriek or something. But then in the third one, you get like a massive. Yeah, because like Maximum hit. Carnage even had, I mean, you have so many symbiotes yeah. mm-hmm. at that point. I mean, Scream and like all those. Yeah. Uh, what's the, not, uh, what's the one that spits? No, I forget. Uh, there's, an, there's one that's like, yeah, it's like poison or whatever. But I, I forget the name. But there's like five. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot to get. I mean, that you could get very quickly overstuffed if you mm-hmm. keep piling on like silver sable has a role in yeah no. maximum carnage. i think this will be more focused yeah. about like i mean it would be even cool to me if it was like a trapped in the asylum type deal like mm-hmm. like an arkham type deal like venom has to is yeah. in that prison and when something happens in the movie is him kind of finding out that cletus cassidy has this power and shriek is like just a supporting character like i said i would take something smaller scale like that yeah. mm-hmm. and build up to something that's more of a maximum slash absolute carnage thing like, yeah as mm-hmm. a third film like yeah um, so that's just my take on it, but like, yeah, all these people, but the pieces are now in place that this will be an event. Mm-hmm. It's not just going to be like Venom to Eddie yeah. Brock's continuing adventure. Like this is going to oh, be major no. Spider-Man <laughs> carnage storylines. And, uh, and I expect to see Tom Holland in this. I, as well, I do as well. Brandon, can you handle this? Can you handle all You want to see Tom Holland in Venom too? Yeah. I don't. I, I, I don't. Uh, you know that I No, do. I don't. I, like, he doesn't have to be there a lot, but I do think that connective tissue will be tied. He appeared my, in, like, a newspaper clipping. <laughs> yeah, my only <laughs> issue there is that, like, it goes back to, do we then have to reference the Venom story oh God. in Spider-Man no, 3? Sorry, I want to finish Tom Holland's story in the MCU <laughs> before he's brought into this alternate universe. Unless you're just going to embrace this Venom story and, and completely hug it and bring it into the MCU story, I, I want to keep them separate until... Tom Holland's story is done in the MCU. Yeah, but I mean, I can see why. I mean, in earlier, I would have said the same thing just for logistical sake. But I think Kevin Feige let the cat out of the bag. That's probably not going to happen. Right. I, mean, I, I know they're going to, and I'm excited to see them overlap at some point. Yeah. I want to see that at some point, but I just don't want the stories to get bogged down or, or confusing or muddled because I know Matt gives moviegoers a lot of credit. I just don't think most people will even be able to wrap their heads around. The fact that Venom and MCU are different or not, I don't even know what's what anymore, and like it's yeah. my job to know. So I mean, I keep them separate until we're going to completely. I just don't go think it matters. I, I mean, mean, I think yeah. it. I think <laughs> it matters. All the money. I think yeah. it matters to us. I think for. I think in the same way, Matt. There's a lot of moviegoers who are just going to go and like mindlessly and yeah. the footage. Yeah. It's Absolutely. Venom. It's Carnage. It it's, yeah. it's Tom Holland Spider Man. Oh my God! It's everything we ever wanted, and they won't nitpick. I mean, obviously on social media, a lot of things we'll see as diehard fans are going to be Reddit people outraged at the timeline hypocrisy going on. Hey, that'll be the headline. Exactly. Yeah. The question. <laughs> the yeah. question. Like the, the thing that I'm most upset about is like there's a clear aesthetic and tone to the Spider Man movies with the MC. You and they've they gradually I mean they've been getting a little bit darker obviously as a like compared to like Homecoming which was like light and fluffy it's gotten darker but like it's not at like Venom level yet and I'm curious to see how they can mesh and overlay those tones and those narratives like to make it feel like it's natural that's what I'm concerned about. also adding Tom Holland to Venom two doesn't add to that movie unless you do it in a way that it's big enough to put in a trailer. 
Like if you put him in that movie just for the sake of putting him in that movie, is it that, like you don't want to spend your top play your Tom Holland card and spend your Tom Holland money for the Venom sequel unless you're going to use it to market the movie because Tom Holland sells tickets. Like there's no secret Tom Holland Spider-Man puts butts in seats and that's something you want to market. So I'm all for let's do Venom 2, keep it separate. No need to do a cameo to maybe confuse the timeline or any uh, whatever it is and then give us Venom 3, Spider-Man, whatever you want to call it. And then have them all go head to head in that. And I would love to see them do an end game, like an event film where it becomes a live action Spider Verse. So you can pull Tom Holland out of the MCU into this Spider Verse. And if you want to send him back later, you can. And it doesn't affect his story in terms of that canon, like you know, I hold so dearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you could just tell this alternate story, too, that's existing in a different Spider, like a different universe that is the live action Spider Verse. Yeah, I'm kind of upset. I don't want Venom to exist in an alternate reality. I think that's yeah, a I bigger just, headache. Or, or you could just com- completely commit to merging them, and I'm okay with that too, but I just want to see one or the other. I don't want to continue with the, is it, isn't it, we don't know, we haven't I decided. Think, I think in yeah. a lot of ways there's just going to be like, you know, an MCU is a, or the Marvel Universe is one big playground, and these set of stories are followed by this studio, and this set of stories can happen, yeah. but they're over here. But like, I would love for them to define it either way. I just don't think they're going to. No. And I think, honestly, most fans could care less. Yeah. As long as they see Tom Holland Spider-Man yeah. in the same environment yeah. as Venom and then yeah. Carnage, they're not going to care. They're going to they're gonna be like, is it a good movie? They're going to be like, oh, I'm entertained. And I just don't it's think. It's going to sell yeah. tickets no matter the, what. The Twitterverse yeah. will care, but they care about everything. And yeah. they care yeah. about everything to a crazy extreme degree right. sometimes. Well, we'll <laughs> wait to see what happens and what develops with this Venom 2 because it's coming down the pike pretty quickly. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we're not going to have to wait. Moving right along, let's talk about fall TV. So we haven't had a chance to really kind of jump into this, but it is fall season. TV is back. There's a lot going on. And now with all the different streaming services and whatnot, like – there's a lot of crazy stuff to keep up with. So we thought we'd do like a rants and rave style section uh, where we just kind of go through and each we're going to tell you guys what we've been watching, why you maybe should or should not be watching these things. And uh, each of us is going to break it down really quick, really quick keywords here. Uh, I'm going to start. And I'm going to start uh, with The Purge Season 2. So The Purge is back Season 2. The Purge. The Purge. Yeah, so. No. <laughs> oh, Dang it. It was such an intense <laughs> and I, Purge. And I, didn't even, I made that toy fall with nothing but the intensity of my voice. Son of a gun. Come on, Boom Boom. You got to have a tighter back. So The Purge is back for season two. <laughs> um, I like the series. I like, as I was made no secret of the first season because of how it allowed us to explore the concept of The Purge in longer form. Mm-hmm. This season's the most unique chapter of The Purge yet because the premiere starts in the last two hours of A Purge. Um, and then the rest of the season is going to be leading up to the next purge. So it's a full year after this purge. And then the season finale will be the next purge night of the next year. And um, I've had the chance to screen several of the first episodes. Only the premiere has aired, which is just the whole action-packed end of the purge night and setting up the characters. But um, what I've my big question for the purge season two was, would it be interesting when you take away purge night? Is the purge still interesting? And the answer turns out to be yes. Um, the second episode might be a little bit slower, but by the third episode, like, if you're worried that, like, there's not going to be enough action or gore or horror in this, you don't have to worry. Because a lot of what's interesting about the season it deals with uh, is the illusion of the purge, the illusion that you can let people let out this ultra-violence in just one night and then put it all back in the box for the rest of the year. And as we start to clearly see the character arcs, and, and it also fleshes out the world. So we got people who, we begin to learn more about the people who watch The Purge Night and determine, like, when the sirens go off, 
what crimes are now crimes, what are cleared, like what's, you know, who's like back in the safe zones and all that. We, we see that. We see people who are like pulling off bank heists for good reasons to, you know, help feed people that they have to use Persian Night for. We see other, another mystery of somebody getting targeted on Persian Night and has to figure out why over the year. And the most interesting story for me is a college kid who goes out on a frat dare, almost gets killed, and, and has this transformative experience that makes him slowly begin to unravel and become as he's dealing with the trauma and, and, and the PTSD of what happened on Purge Night. And so it is very interesting and to see people kind of break down and, and not be able to keep in this mold is very interesting and there's a lot of psychological tension and horror and uh, some, some pretty scary stuff. So I'm digging the Purge season two. That moves me on to Mr. Robot's final season. So Mr. Robot is back for its <laughs> final season and man, it has wasted zero time hitting the ground running with some shocking stuff, um, some big, character and status quo changes but um i love this show by sam Esmail, and it, it's just been one of the most kind of creatively shot and kind of in in surprising in terms of reveals and perspective and mystery shows and it's continuing to do that and it's just broadened the mystery even in this late season even more from this unreliable narrator with split personas and stuff that like now it's even getting deeper so if you're not watching mr robot it's back make sure you check that out uh, purges. These are both on USA Network, oddly enough. Uh, and so is the third thing I'm going to talk about, which is Treadstone, the Bourne spinoff series, which Ooh. just premiered. Uh, Treadstone kind of tells a larger story of the Bourne program and, and this spy-making program that has been going on uh, with these new operatives called Zakatas that are sleeper agents. But are now there's this mystery that somebody is waking them up, and they're programmed for specific missions and things, but then, you know, they, they forget. And, and they don't know who they are and they lead regular lives. So they're housewives and, and like prominent people and businessmen. And, but, you know, signal activation makes them go nuts and go back into born mode and complete these missions. Like, so one lady's like teaching a piano lesson. She hears something. She goes and she assassinates a major general and is standing there like, what the hell am I doing here? Like, what's happening? Ooh, um, and so, that's interesting. yeah, it's very interesting. <laughs> and, and the action's really good. The action sequences are really good. And, it, and it's a good mystery. And it, it expands the Bourne universe in an interesting way, than, more interesting than I've seen in years. So check out Treadstone. Uh, and finally, um, I'm going to talk about the Arrowverse is back. Uh, Flash has been back. Arrow has been back. Um, even Black Lightning's back. And Arrowverse is off to a really good start this year. I know a lot of these series might seem tired to some fans. You, you, you know, But this year is the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover which is becoming a major event. If you are not paying attention to our comicbook.com DC page, there is so much that is going to be in this crisis crossover. Mm -hmm. So many past DC TV and movie properties Smallville. that are going to be... Smallville. <laughs> Smallville. Don't even talk about uh, Batman Smallville. 89. Tom Welling and Erica Durant like, all day. Uh, yeah, oh we're introducing all kinds of characters. The Spectre just got cast. Like, whole bunch... Like, all kinds Hunters of people are going to be this. Yeah. Like, all kinds of stuff is going <laughs> to be in this. And The Flash and Arrow have started their seasons because this is like the big event of the Arrowverse. Both of their seasons have started off already kind of as the, as the road to crisis. Mm -hmm. And each of those episodes have been pretty interesting about how Oliver Queen and Barry Allen know this thing is coming, know they're both going to probably die and are starting to absorb and try to deal with that reality and prepare their teams and the world for life without Flash yeah. slash Arrow. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's been good. And if this is a season to jump back into these shows, if you've been off them for a while, jump back in now. Because the crisis thing is going to be big. Everybody's going to be talking about it. 
and you're going to want to see that. So there, there may well. even be even bigger, more surprising cameos in that too that they haven't. Yeah, no, yeah. we we've had words and, yeah. and like we've gotten lines on what some of these cameos things, and I'm telling you, what they're doing is beyond ambitious. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like they're beyond crazy. ambitious. <laughs> this is going to be like a DC fan. If you've been a live action DC fan or even an animated DC fan, this is going to be nuts yeah. for Easter yeah. eggs and, and yeah. tie-ins and all that stuff. Your job so, will be on Yeah, the get back on the Arrowverse. And uh, finally, I'm not going to talk about these, but uh, Power is going out. I love Power. I'm just going to say that. I'm going to plug Power on Turn here. <laughs> Final Go for season. it. Plug yeah, it. Throw that. No, nothing. We just don't talk about uh, oh, okay. <laughs> those kinds of shows here. But like uh, Power is coming back and uh, wow. it's ending and Power's kind of giving us a good ending and there's going to be some sparks flying and they're doing a whole mid-season stretch out. Someone's going to be here for a while. And uh, It's Always Sunny is back and hey. season 14 has been pretty hilarious this season so far. Um yeah, there's some great episodes, and you know I love that show, so be sure to check that out. So that's everything I'm watching. Matt Aguilar, it's your turn. What do you, what do you got going on? Uh, so tying into your crisis thing, uh, Batwoman is also that's one of the newest shows uh, to the network. That I've really enjoyed that because most of the stuff ties into the central character at its core. It's like the villain, uh, the relationships in the show, all that stuff is about her, as opposed to Oliver and Arrow where it kind of kept expanding and then you started adding Deathstroke in and the Russian mafia and all this other stuff and it kind of got convoluted. And here, so far, they've been able to keep it very central to the character. So it's really, I really enjoy it. Again, it's not going to win over anyone who doesn't like the CW style of show. But Move on, trolls. Yeah, so, but, yeah. It's, but it's really good. Uh, also, uh, Stumptown, I like. Mm. Ad- yeah, I'm loving Stumptown. I adore Stumptown. that show now. Still Stumptown. Yeah. Stumptown is good. It's Confirm. so good. Yeah, uh, I mean, all and we talked about it. You can go back yeah, to we a did couple a whole episodes. Review, yeah, yeah. Uh, but if you want to find all the reasons we love it, go check that out. But definitely, like that's still up there. Also, the Good Place. Oh my gosh, it's still so it's so good and it's like heartbreaking mm. because yeah. we say goodbye this year. This is the last oh, season. Don't talk about it. Right uh, now, but it's so good. <laughs> it's just so good. Uh, and then of course I couldn't. Uh, I'd have to be remiss if I didn't talk about wrestling because right now. Mm. Literally, if you want wrestling, there's four shows every week where you can watch a ton of wrestling and a lot of interesting stuff is going on every Wednesday night. Uh, I cover NXT for us. Uh, Connor covers AEW Dynamite for us. And then Ryan Drosty covers uh, SmackDown on Friday nights. And then we all kind of tag team on Monday nights for Raw. There is a ton of stuff. I mean, that's literally like over eight, nine hours of content. And that's not including pay-per-views. But it's a really great time to be a wrestling fan. So if you're check that out on the site, you can always go to the WWE page on comicbook.com to check that out. Uh, as a quick aside, just a quick one, uh, Spectrum Originals, which is a random thing that exists. Oh, I didn't really know. LA's Finest, the Bad Boys spinoff oh, is yeah. on there. Uh, that uh, did get renewed. I don't know if it's coming out like when the exact date is, but that is coming down the pike and did get renewed. And it was actually really fun. So my pick, again, you know, I had Batwoman. Matt stole it. I had The Good Place. Matt stole it, if you're noticing a theme here. Um, my pick, though, that he didn't say is Supernatural. It's uh-huh. kind of impossible to, like, not mention it right now. That show's, like, <laughs> like a like a mythos on cable right now. It is in its 15th and final Aww. season. And I have been watching this show since, like, day one. And I, I, I don't know how I'm still there, but I'm still trucking with it. So we've had two episodes out so far. And it's just such a... 
a like nostalgic travel back through the mythology of the series without spoilers a lot of characters are returning that shouldn't be able to return but we're able to kind of revisit them and we can kind of like compare where the Winchester brothers were you know in season one where they were all cute and baby faced and they hadn't been touched by God yet or whatever is happening (laughs) (laughs) what what and so um yeah now now it's just so good I mean it's heartbreaking too because every every episode it'll deliver a one punch liner that's just like ah my feelings but it's great so far if you got out of sync with Supernatural you can catch up on the show on Netflix or Hulu or any other site or the the CW app and um you know keep up with it it's so good so so good I have to watch The Good Place afterwards because then it makes me laugh and be happy again (laughs) (laughs) and Brandon Davis well, we all know what you're going to tell us. It's a no yep. surprise. I, I highly recommend The Walking Dead. It's it's really good. Right, now. nobody's watching it anymore. Well, four million people are watching it, but like by comparison to what that used to be, it's kind of nobody. But it's too little, too late. Maybe I think it's really good. Um, yeah, it is ironic. So do I. I agree. It's been really good. It's last been, episode was I, really good. I wish it it had these characters on the show when 17 million people were watching, because I think the audience would have continued to grow. Because I think that they're very what they're doing right now is very interesting. It's something new. And back when they had 17 million people, they just went into another war, people versus people. And this is like people versus people, but it's just a different kind of people that we haven't seen before. And it's really fun to watch. Samantha Morton as Alpha is, she's just mind-blowingly good in that part. Um, And this Sunday's episode, you get a lot of good Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Negan, Ross Marquand as Aaron. They have some really cool scenes together. Melissa McBride is just amazing as Carol every time. And it's a good episode if you're a Carol fan. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's no surprise. I recommend The Walking Dead right now. Also, I want to double down on Matt's wrestling stuff. AEW and WWE are both very entertaining right now. Um, and if you just really want a roller coaster on Saturdays, like just become a South Carolina football fan and watch that. <laughs> like uh, I was wondering. Show. I knew. I knew it was so perfect. And that's a perfect hard for us to go to break. It's more emotional tuned. than anything you guys mentioned. Stay tuned because when we come back, we are going to deep dive into Zombieland reviews, X-Men discussions, and our fall anime previews, so stay tuned. (laughs) Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at bowlingbranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. All right, we got about 20 minutes. Let's knock this out. Brandon Davis, back to you. Tell us about Zombieland Ooh. Double Tap. Is Does it live up? Because Zombieland, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to call it Zombieland groundbreaking because it's like <laughs> genre mashup. You can call that it a classic, just, though, right? Yeah, I would yeah. call it classic. Yeah. Like, it's a yeah, cult classic, at least. Yeah, like, absolutely. Uh, it was just a great genre mashup. In, in the midst of the zombie craze kind of mm-hmm. coming on, mm-hmm. this one managed to do a zombie movie but made it really fun and mixes gore and fun and humor like few can yeah. so yeah. question we're all wondering because you are the only one who has seen it up here so far is yeah. Zombieland 2 does it live up to the original yes 
I mean, plain and simple. If you're all right, that's Brandon okay. Davis. Thank you. No, hey, we're trying to make sure he doesn't have time to mention Gatencox. Yeah. <laughs> Go South Carolina. Um, no, I I think if you're a fan of the original Zombieland movie, which I am, I, I it's one of those movies I remember where I was when I saw it, like what theater I saw it in, who I saw it with, and I don't know why. It, it I just love that movie. And it's, it's one of the surprising cult hits. Like, it really is. It's not a big box office record-shattering movie, but I had a really good time watching it, and I could watch it again and again, and I do. And this movie really takes everything you like about the first Zombieland and almost in an Austin Powers way follows that formula, but then makes it different enough for it to be just as much fun this time around because it's not the same exact movie. It's 10 years later. We have a different objective. We're still trying to find somebody who ran away and left a note and just kind of took off in the night, just like the first one. But it's very different in, in, in the way that we have new characters being thrown into the mix. We have different kinds of scenarios. And then ultimately, the climax of the movie, you're going to feel such... Zombie land tones and vibes and, re- and nostalgia because it is 10 years ago. Think about how much has changed in 10 years. It is nostalgia at this point. But it's, it's, I, I don't want to spoil anything, but it really is different and it's, it's just as much fun. I laughed the whole time. And I want to say this when I watched it, I, d- I was at the premiere. So the energy at a premiere is always higher and the laughs are going to be louder yeah. and laughter is mm-hmm. contagious. So maybe I'm a little bit higher on it than people might be. Maybe I had that experience. I was laughing even when other people in the theater weren't laughing. I just had such a good time watching the movie. So I think if you liked the first Zombieland, and if you haven't seen the first Zombieland, watch it before yeah, watching no this one. For that. I mean, you have to watch it because there are so many jokes that they're not going to hurt your experience from watching Zombieland Double Tap. But you will, get a, you will have a better time watching Zombieland Double Tap if you recognize the subtle little cues and references yeah. to the first one. Somehow there's no Twinkies in the movie, though. Really? Not even. Not they didn't even try. I was like, wait a second. Wow. Uh, the Tallahassee got over it in ten years. Yeah, you know. Even I mean, he's got that objective. He got him in the end of the first one. Is, is this the time to admit I never saw a zombie? Like what? What? No, now is not the time. Threw Get out. <laughs> so on this episode of the podcast, <laughs> just three of us. No, I'm just kidding. I'm uh, in between. This, <laughs> no, no, no man. This, I can't this take this me. anymore. Zombieland was the first R-rated movie I went to a theater to see without a parent. I come in, I find out. Okay. You haven't watched Zombieland. He hasn't seen Harry Potter or read it. Janelle's up here like. To be fair, like, to be fair, I wanted to see the movie, but I wasn't old enough to have a driver's license, so I couldn't see it. See, wow. see? <laughs> uh, for what she just said, Zombieland man. was the first movie. I was I got off of a shift at Starbucks, and, and one of my friends shade. happened to work in the mall with me. I worked at a Starbucks in the Oof. mall. I took off the apron. I walked across the street from the mall, and I used my driver's license that was fresh off the print, and it was the first R-rated movie I saw. I, that I, remember stuff I, like was, that. I wasn't old enough. I remember where I was. I was desperately trying to pioneer a new type of entertainment website because I was fearing my life had passed me by and that desperation <laughs> nope, I was still, made me work really hard uh, to do My prom date so had passed this. me by. Man. Oh, oh man, your prom date, stop it. <laughs> All right, so but I also, was, can I, I just studying. point out, the MVP of the movie is Zoe Deutsch. She plays mm. like a, a Paris Hilton era, like, oblivious blonde who just wears a fur coat and it's yeah, she's in the marketing lot, and she's it, pretty hilarious. I was like, oh, this is going to be, uh, she's too much, this is going to be annoying. She is so funny, and it's it could have been so cheesy. I mean, the same script, the same dialogue with a different actress could have ruined the movie. Zoe Deutsch, as this character named Madison, makes everything better. She is so funny, she has so much enthusiasm, so much energy, and side-splitting humor. She's so funny. All right. I'm All excited right. to see both of you. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm, I'm psyched <laughs> to see Zombie Glenn Double Tap. I'm going to try to get out and get to that, because... I just want to do that for pure enjoyment, though. So I'm going to try to do that. All right, moving right along. 
X-Men number one is out. We did a whole, I mean, we went lengthy and created a whole sub-podcast for the House of X event. <laughs> um, X-Men are being relaunched, Marvel, under Jonathan Hickman, and X-Men number one is out. And uh, it's an interesting book. And me and Matt and Megan are probably going to break this down. But, um, yeah, you, it's basically kind of after, as if some people have criticized House of X is was a massive macro universe realignment. Mm -hmm. And in doing that, we basically had to, Hickman had to like kind of pull away from the, from the intimacy of the X-Men team and family to kind of examine this thing with Moira from the outside and yeah. all these different timelines where the X-Men are like in a lot of fluctuated states. And so it, it wasn't a very intimate book or a series mm -hmm. or event in some kind of ways. I mean, there were some intimate points. Yeah. Like, the X-Men going on that mission to Orcus, which was yeah. excellent, or them establishing the new Krakoa religion, but those are just kind of anecdotes to help introduce things. Yeah. X-Men number one is like literally like a day in the life. Yeah, it's very um, yeah. slice of life. Yeah, and a slice of life, and it's just basically taking you through what this new X-Men world is going to look like after all the things we, we went through in House of X. Mm -hmm. um, and for the most part, I think it was pretty good. It was a pretty yeah. good start. It is not at all, it doesn't play like you think it will, and it's mm -hmm. kind of like weird, because it's not like a superhero book that, like, it doesn't have the feel of a superhero book like I've read before, not even a Hickman one. It, it's very different and kind of weird, and, and but, like, wonderfully so. Yeah. Um, and basically what we get in terms of plot is the X-Men go on a mission that, I won't spoil what they're doing for you. You, you can. Oh, uh, yeah, we can. It's I mean, it's the, not a secret. Yeah, it's time after. Yeah, and, and each issue is supposed to be, like, self-contained, so there's not, like, a whole bunch of mysteries in it. But uh, they basically go and they rescue a bunch of orphaned mutant children who are being held prisoner by an organization that's this old organization called, uh, what's their name? I forget. Uh, so it's actually, so it's referencing the Children of the Vault. Yeah. Is, mm -hmm. is what it's referencing. As far as the organization goes, yeah. I don't remember their name. <laughs> okay, the children of the Vault. Yeah. Um, which wasn't a story like I'm up. So fill us in. What was the Children of the Vault? So Children of the Vault. That's why you're here. 75 issues, like episodes in. You have <laughs> your wealth of knowledge that I need to tap sometimes. Tap it. Tap it. Uh, so okay. So this is actually one of my blind spots though, because okay. Jamie is actually more involved with that particular storyline. Because both me and him were like, oh wow, they brought that back, and then we kind of took a minute and had to go do some digging around. Uh, but essentially, uh, this. So when they introduced this character. Um, this character is, they show her as like, they essentially say she's post-human. Technically before, post-humans were kind of around, but they weren't defined that way. And so this organization had worked on and experimented on these, uh, on these kids essentially, uh, and made them, that's why they have that name as Children of the Vault. Okay. And they kept them away. And so, but they never, they were technically considered a mishmash. But they never, until Hickman came around, they never really, like, he, that was one of those threads that he kind of took and said, I'm going to put, like, I'm going to define that. Because yeah. it was this weird, wavy thing, and they were kind of around for a bit and then got forgotten yeah. for a long time. So they don't have, like, a ton, but there is some storylines. All right, well, they, I mean, the long short of it is they rescue these kids and bring a bunch of kids to Krakoa. Yeah. Uh, and to try to have them kind of find, you know, their way and, and establish and find their way in mutant culture. Um, and then the other thrust of the of the issue is we go to the blue area of the moon where Scott Summer Cyclops has used a flower of Krakoa to create himself his own biome, which is called Summer House. Um, and it's a home for him and the Summer's family and their close friends. You got such yeah. a kick out of this. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> like it is. I mean, it's crazy because it's just like a dinner with the Summers family, yeah. and it's yeah. like a funny and party scenes. If you've ever like been a writer or creative writer, they tell you like party scenes are really hard to do, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, because parties are these things where everybody's supposed to be having this mask of fun, but there's always you know tensions and other things going on in, in the interactions. Um, and, and he does this very well in this, and it's just like literally the Summers family trying to have dinner and clean up dishes afterwards mm-hmm. uh, on the blue area of the moon, and it's like Cyclops, Corsair, like Corsair's girlfriend, the Cat Lady, Rachel Summers, Phoenix, Jean Grey, Cable, and like in the Star Jammers and the in the Summers family just having dinner and like trading talks and the different little groupings that they're in is pretty wonderful. It's pretty awesome. It's kind of hilarious. <laughs> um, but the real highlight of the issue is we find out. Yeah, mutant mutant life on Krakoa is way progressive because Summer's house, Summer House has a little secret, which is that there are three rooms because you get a chart because we get charts and all. Yeah, the I love books. Hickman's yeah. charts. Hickman's charts, and he loves to drop little crazy things in these charts, and so we have a like a just a blueprint for what Summer House looks like, so you can picture it. But if you people were paying attention to the floor plan, notice there's a cluster of rooms, three rooms, and it's Wolverine, Jean Grey, and Cyclops mm-hmm. who have these three rooms together that have these passage, open passageways between them mm-hmm. that like nobody knows can see from the outside, yeah. so they can basically move between each other's rooms without being seen. On their giant moon house. On their giant yeah. moon house. <laughs> like, giant yeah. moon dungeon. And like, if you go back into Powers of X, people were like, wait, what? And then they went back into Powers of X, and it didn't take long for everybody to go back in and realize all these breadcrumbs have been dropped throughout the House of X yeah. kind of event that basically spell out that, yeah, Scott and Jean Grey and, mut- and maybe more mutants or mutants in general have decided that, like, yeah, polyamorous lifestyle is the way to be. Yeah. yeah. We're I'm, immortal. We're not just humans anymore. We don't have these possession problems. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and it's kind of a crazy turn in one way, but it does make perfect sense in the world that we're living in and now. Mm. It also yeah. gives them such a, I mean, because like Hickman, right? Hickman's tease that the Jean Grey being Marvel Girl and having that suit and that sort of identity there's a reason for like a specific reason that he's plotted out for that. Right. Well, if you think about that during that time, yeah, she was always with Cyclops mm-hmm. during that time, but like, to, like I'm kind of interested to see if that is a, a, like a particular state that she's in, because we know that like they can restore them. Right. Xavier can restore like your entire memory and your soul essentially and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But like, we don't exactly know, like, can you choose what version you want to be? Like, there's other questions yeah. that come into that. So, like, okay, mm-hmm. well, would she, would she, she's had this weird history between both of those. Scott has had my still, I will ship always Emma Frost and Scott yeah. Summers. And the house, yeah. end of House of X suggests that. Yes. Not only that's still going on and all parties know about it. Like, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I'm very curious to see where this goes. Because I don't think, I mean, it's Hickman. So, I don't think it's going to be one of those things where it's like, oh, I just wanted one with I just didn't want to have to like think about that. He thinks about everything. Yeah. And I'm yeah. very intrigued to see where that goes. Also, can we just say I love Hickman writing Vulcan? Yeah. I will take Vulcan barbecuing random things. Uh that that whole sequence was like amazing. Like yeah, it never the, cared. The third Summers Brothers in the grill. <laughs> and he if you know his speech patterns, which are very grandiose, like he has these it's like so good. medieval speech patterns where he's talking about like cooking meat and the flame erupts. Yeah, the flame erupts to sear the meat. Like, and it is really hilarious. And the and the dishwashing stuff, like yeah. there's so many little things. But I will say, uh, one of my favorite parts is actually the Magneto and Polaris stuff mm. that they yeah. tease in there. Also, like, Magneto's, like, essentially being able to relive, like, his younger days as this 
icon that like yeah. he was always the villain he was always on the other side so he didn't really get to kind of ever have this and and it's cool for them to kind of talk about how he has this moment also if you want to know more about children of the vault uh there is a uh essentially they were done in the mike carey and chris uh Bacalo run which his artwork is fantastic i remember the covers i don't remember like the story that was in there <laughs> that's a lot of the x-men yeah fandom. so like the covers were gorgeous but like there's that run that kind of you know it, it produced some interesting stuff but like it seems like hickman is drawing a lot from there. So if you are interested in learning more about them, you could definitely check out that run uh, to get more info. Yeah. So it ends also with um, one big teaser and kind of stinger, which is that we go back to Orcus, the place that the X-Men infiltrated in the House of Ecstasy, what Orcus, this human organization uh, built from like S.H.I.E.L.D., AIM, HYDRA, all these various science and, mm -hmm. and espionage organizations to combat mutant dominance. Uh, and we go back to our main villain, like one of our top villains now, Dr. Gregor whose husband was killed in the X-Men's mission, and she wiped out, she essentially wiped out the X-Men, but, yeah. you know, they resurrected. Um, and they tease that maybe humans have now figured out their own resurrection protocols, because she says to this new guy who comes, uh, some other Orcus higher up, the yeah, doctor, who's apparently, like, the real big bad, uh, and she shows him a crystal that says Dr. she can Dr. Mars, I think Dr. is Dr. Mars, name? something yeah. I forget, mm -hmm. um, that basically says, you know, I think I can bring my husband back. And I'm still wondering, is this the guy we, that was in House of X5 when Xavier did that call to everybody? And we were like, who is this one guy? That might be that might be him. Which I don't remember. Which a little more scrutiny. But that, we'll talk about that off, off camera. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, things are interesting. And so, like, yeah, X-Men, this first book, which is a little bit longer, but, like, it does everything. It, it gives you great character moments, some a an action and a mission. Mm -hmm. um, and, like, yeah, the slice of life stuff and sets up another threat. So, that's a lot of work done in one thing, and we got suggestions of mutant orgies. So you know, and yeah. this this coming week, like I imagine this is just going to be a regular thing because essentially every week we're getting yeah, at we're getting least new one new expert. Yeah. Marauders comes out yep. this week, and I am stoked. I cannot yeah. wait. For You've that been one. really excited. Oh, I'm so excited. We'll be back to review Marvel's Marauders next week when it hits. <laughs> uh, but check out X Men number one. This is a good time to jump in. Um, you don't have to necessarily read House of X because there's a lot that just explains to you. But I would recommend it. Uh, that'll bring us to Megan, who's going to close out the show today with our yes. fall anime preview. This is for all our anime heads out there. Um, Comicbook.com anime, comic anime has been going strong. And, mm. uh, yeah, I mean, anime takeover is just continuing to happen across <laughs> the world. So, Megan, tell us what we are in for for the fall season. Yes, so the fall anime season is here. Traditionally, that is, like, the season that's like when everything's coming back similar to like how we're getting all the Arrowverse back here it's happening in Japan and it's coming over here so we're having a ton of series I'm just gonna briefly kind of like spit names out there for all the listeners to see if that peaks and in like a, some interest with them but Sword Art Online uh, season three has returned with its mid-season premiere um, My Hero Academia the big one that well, is so like huge right now i mean that is like almost like the definitive anime right now in north america it is back season four the premiere went out it was a recap episode so it was a little bit oh, slower bastards. but don't worry this I weekend woke up on saturday so happy yeah this weekend it is the actual first episode of the arc i have seen it it is shocking i will just let you all know Ooh. it is when i saw it in the room i was with 
the people I was with actors who do the voice acting in that and they they knew what it was but they hadn't seen it all together and they were like audibly gasping because they were so shocked at what they were seeing it is so good I cannot recommend enough for you to watch it Um, Food Wars season 4 Shogeki no Soma it is back with its fourth and final season and there's just there's just so many shows it's yeah, like hard for me Network to like all the time yeah do yourself a favor upgrade and also watch this show yeah food war show geki no soma is basically high schoolers fighting one another like a shonen show but it's through cooking it's basically like top chef but and high school food edition animation yeah. like what they cook will uh, make you hungry it'll like, make you so hungry okay i need to watch it it is so good i mean and above that you know fire force is back vinland saga is back dr stone is back that's the one i want to jump in yeah dr. one punch stone. man's ova is coming out this season mob psycho 100's ova is coming back this season and this is all on top of the fact that boruto has a new arc uh, coming up this is the sequel to naruto this sequel will see boruto uzumaki travel back in time with an adult sasuke to spend time in the leaf village when naruto his father was a guinea so he's gonna get to meet jiraiya and tsunade he's gonna get to see what the leaf village was like when his dad was young which is super exciting for everyone involved with the series one piece is still going strong with its current wano country arc which is just like crazy right now the manga dropped a billion reveals and the anime is working its way towards those there's a ton of stuff happening it can be overwhelming. If you go to comicbook.com slash anime, I will give you a lowdown on what you need with that sweet plug-in. <laughs> but, yeah, there's just there's just so much happening. If you really need to distill it, the true treasures that I would say of this um, coming season is going to be My Hero Academia. I know it's such a trite thing to say, and everyone's like, oh, it's so popular. It's whatever. It's popular because it's good. I was going to say, it's popular for it's a reason, right? So, yeah. It's, yeah, it's mainstream good. I can't it, it even, feels- like... I can't even, like, fully explain to you how good the premiere is. It is such, like, I'm, like, the first episode of the actual arc that's coming up this weekend. It is so good. It will shock you. It is violent. And it's just violent. I'll just put it that way without wanting to spoil anything. All right. All right. That'll do it. For our 75th episode of Comic Book Nation, we want to thank you guys for riding with us for all 75 of these episodes and the 10 bonus episodes. Largely thanks Jeez. to BD over there. Uh, a lot of those bonus episodes came out of out of your work on the road while you were all day cowboying it. So thanks to everybody involved. Uh, thanks to also, I, I realized the other day, we have a lot of ladies who make this show possible that mm. we like never, ever thank. This is like, without some of these ladies, there would be no comic book nation. This is true. So uh, yeah, that's Brittany, who's had a video. Liza, who's always just sitting here nice and patient and quiet in the cut to try to cut some of this up into good social media snippets for you guys. Uh, yeah, our creative department, uh, Jen, LZ, who actually make this show look the way it does. Like I said, uh, without all these... Uh, fine ladies doing what they do we wouldn't even have a show so that's for you guys mm-hmm. thank you thank you to everybody who gets up on the stage here and everybody who listens in and uh we're out of time today and we got to go because you know it's Oktoberfest and we got things to do right now but uh <laughs> when we come back uh next week we're gonna celebrate 75 and thank all you fans by going through a whole bunch of reviews oh yeah if we read your review a five-star review on iTunes on comic book nation We'll be sending you a free T-shirt. Ten is, T-shirts. Yeah, that is going down next week. Wow. I don't think Jim Viscardi is going to. No, he's not that listening that. right now, so he has no idea. Three ten, yeah, three pairs Jim of tennis Viscardi shoes. He has no idea what we are doing to him right now. But I'm putting myself on the line. We'll be giving out a lot of T-shirts in episode 76. 
So uh, get your five-star reviews in on iTunes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if you want to get in on Comic Book Nation, you're just joining us around the 75th episode. We put out new episodes every Wednesday and Friday. This is the Friday episode, but as the numbers show, you guys aren't necessarily always jumping back into the Wednesday episode, which you should do because that's usually in the heat of the uh, news week and like, yeah. things that are breaking, mm -hmm. where this is like more of the kind of discussion and longer thing. So be sure you listen to both episodes, Wednesdays and Fridays every week. You can also find an RSS feed where on when we put up new episodes on comicbook.com to subscribe for regular updates on Comic Book Nation. Or you can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Google Playlist, or tell any Amazon Alexa device to fire up Comic Book Nation podcast and it will start playing for you. If you want to join the discussion with us, just go to the hashtag Comic Book Nation or you can reach me at Kofi Outlaw. You can hit me up at Matt Aguilar CB. I'm at Megan Peters CB. You can find me at Brandon Davis BD. You just just say you know me, and then we'll just keep moving. Yeah. No. You know me. You know who I am. All right. <laughs> That'll do it for Comic Book Nation. Like I said, we have some October stuff, Oktoberfest stuff to get to, so we're going to get out of here, but uh, we'll see you guys next time. This Peace. is...